Welcome to Wrestling with God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm here with a man who has done lots of uh, wrestling with God, has lots of experience, my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Hey, Father Len. Hey, Irish. Top of the morning to you. Well, you know, we've done multiple episodes now about how people end up in hell. Uh, You've explained that God doesn't send anyone to hell. Uh, We actually make that choice using free will uh, that God has given us. Now, what we haven't done, however, is grapple with hell itself. Uh, What exactly is hell? Uh, Where did the idea come from? Father Lynn, I think you need to take us to hell. (laughs) I will give you a personal, personal tour. Perfect. I don't want to um, stay. I don't want to stay there too long, though. No, no. I, I think drive, I understand a little bit. It's pretty hot there. I think yeah. so. I, I, you know, well, let's let's be careful on this tour. Could be cold too. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't tell this, but I I do think it's funny. Uh, I'm originally from Montana, and the western side of Montana is mountainous and green, and the eastern side of Montana is is also beautiful, but it's very flat. Um, very, very flat. And once we're driving actually through Eastern Montana and I was a kid and I was looking and there's a billboard that said, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And I remember thinking, (laughs) I sure as hope not here. (laughs) (laughs) You thought you were in hell. (laughs) I I want some mountains. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, anyhow. Um, so what is hell? So, We define hell as separation from God. Hell is complete separation from God, and heaven is complete union with God. And God is a source of life and love and community and justice and compassion. And hell is being separated from all that life and love and community. So we'd say, well, technically hell is separation from God. Uh, God offers life and love to all people as a free gift. But that doesn't mean all people accept the gift. I receive a lot of offers for free gifts in the mail all the time, but I never take it up because I just don't want more junk and I'm a minimalist at heart. And so, Well, you can send some of your gifts to me then, Father Lynn. I'm, I'm accepting gifts. Uh, there's always a catch. <laughs> but So the gift is offered, but it doesn't mean everybody will take it up. And typically, even like at the start of this, you said hell is a very hot place. Well, hell is pictured with fire, but also in the Bible, you have this image of hell also being very cold. Hell is a cold, lonely place. So when you hear the gnashing of teeth, it's this image of you know shivering and your teeth chattering. So I think the fire with the cold is just an analogy. Uh, that's an analogy of what living in hell would be like. Now, most people are kind of relieved when they hear this, but what I really mean is that it's something far worse than fire and cold. But I love, even as a kid, I love just trying to figure out what is the fire of hell. And this is more my opinion, not exclusively, a lot of theologians, but think about this. Heaven is the fire of God's love. So in Corinthians and Malachi, this image of heaven being connected with fire and 
all the stubble and waste of our life once we get into the fire, yeah, before the fire of God's love, all that will be burned away. I love that, that the only thing that will really remain is the gold inside of us. Everything that's fake and straw, that'll go away. But think about this. Fire is an image of God. So in the Old Testament and many Catholic mystics, picture God as pure fire. So Paul uses this image kind of as purgatory as when we stand before the love of God's fire, all the impurities will burn away. I love that image. So, so you mentioned purgatory, Father Lynn. For those who might not know what you're talking about, what, what is purgatory? Purgatory is the doorway into heaven. So in heaven, uh, everything is pure in heaven. And so purgatory is before you enter heaven, all the you know, uh, straw and junk in my life will be burned away. So like I, you know, little faults that I have, little untruths that I have, all those will be burned away as I enter heaven. Love that image. But that's a fire I want to go to. And St. Paul uses that as uh, this image of purgatory. But I often wonder, so think about that. You have fire in heaven, but you also have fire in hell. And maybe, I'm just saying, maybe it's the same fire as the fire of God's love. And life is a matter of preparing to live in the fire of God's love. Or it's forever rejecting the fire of love. Pure love is this fire. And if you live your life with hatred and selfishness, then maybe pure love is something that you just can't stand. So I also like the fact at baptism, you receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. When somebody is baptized, we give them a candle. The candle symbolizes them. And the fire that the, is burning in the candle is the Holy Spirit inside you. So you are given fire at your baptism. And the question is, did you let it grow or die out? And some people, I hate to say, I think they really have let it die out. Like I, this sounds kind of strange. I was uh, invited to this uh, house blessing of this elderly couple who I like. There's no problem. We bless their house and there's a little party there. But we'd go from room to room blessing each room. But every time the couple would... um, Stop and say, well, we didn't like this paint job or we didn't like this piece of furniture. And they complained about their whole house the entire way through. All it was was grumbling and it was supposed to be a blessing, a celebration, a party. And they're just complaining. Uh, well, we didn't, we're not really sure about this or we didn't like this or we, you know, complaining about furniture or everything. And at one point I turned to a fellow parishioner who I know and we have kind of the similar same sense of humor. Because the whole time they're just grumbling about this new, huge, beautiful house that they're forced to live in. And they're grumbling. And so I turned to this one woman who I'm friends with and I said, oh, my God, this place is a pit. And, you know, (laughs) it's clearly better than 99.99% of how the world lives. But the couple, all they can do is grumble and complain. And what if for all eternity... All these people can do is complain and complain and complain. In one sense, it made me think of hell, that all those in in hell, even if they could have a beautiful mansion in heaven, which I hate that analogy, all they do is complain. And so 
uh, some people like to think, well, nobody's in hell. That's called universalism. So like even once last year, two women came to church and as they're leaving, I'd never seen them before. I usually stand by the door and I just want to get to know people and greet people. And as normal, I gave a fantastic homily. People were crying sure. and begging for more. And I said, no, you come back. You people come back. More good stuff later. But my homily had absolutely nothing to do with hell or judgment. So as they're leaving, they stop in the doorway, stopping everybody. And they said, we don't believe that God sends anybody to hell. And I said, you're right. I, I don't believe that either. I believe that we choose it. But that had nothing to do with my homily. They just wanted to make this statement. <laughs> but there are plenty of people who have this position. Nobody is in hell. I, I don't know. I, mean, I really, I, I don't know. But I do but you, know people have the ability to choose or reject love. But, but you, what know, you, you, know, you know what you're really saying? Talk about this elderly couple with this fancy new house that they want you to come over and bless and in every room they're complaining. It's, it, it, I think it's, uh, it, it demonstrates that uh, people create their own hell, and hell is here on earth, you know, is really kind of what you're saying. I mean, we can create it here. It's not just this imaginary place that uh, we're going to end up going for one reason or another, and we choose. We, we can create it right here, and we do every day, I think is what I hear See, you saying. I, well, obviously, I really do believe that. And I'll point to the Bible to prove it. Because think about this. In the Gospel of Matthew, uh, in chapter 23, Jesus says in Matthew, Woe to you, teachers of the law, who bind up huge burden and put it on backs of other people. And you don't even lift a finger to help these people. And you call yourself religious. And he calls them, listen to this, he calls them children of hell. Jesus thinks that such hypocrisy is a great sign that you're going to turn somebody, you're turning yourself into a child of hell. Jesus doesn't say that your future is hell. What he's saying at that moment, that your present state of life is a type of hell. Jesus thinks that hypocrisy is such a great sin that it turns you into a child of hell. Jesus doesn't say that your future is hell. He says your present is hell. So the way you're living your life, even if you call yourself religious, is turning you into a child of hell. And just as Jesus keeps repeating that the kingdom of God starts here and now, why wouldn't we flip that around and say, well, clearly also Jesus seems to indicate that hell starts now. So when people say, well, I just don't believe anybody is in hell. Excuse me, do you know who talks a lot about hell? Jesus. If somebody be uh, believes in hell, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're hateful. And just because I found that some people say, well, everybody gets goes to heaven. I found some of those people to be very selfish. So yeah, Jesus speaks about hell. Even like in analogies, Jesus will say, you know what uh, the afterlife is like? People will knock on the door and say, oh no, you know us, you know us. And Jesus will say, I tell you, I've never met you. It means that there is this possibility of permanent separation from God. In the American culture, it likes to say that everybody goes to heaven. Well, technically, Catholicism says everybody can go to heaven. But we would say, 
but it is possible that some people cut themselves off. And so think about this. In the book of Revelation, the gates of heaven, it says, are permanently kept open, which I love that. God, heaven is open to everybody. And the Catholic Catechism says that we believe as Catholics that God gives sufficient grace to everybody that they can choose love, which I just love. Like, so, you know, you could say, what about those, you know, pygmies in Africa or, you know, some distant island or Minnesotans, uh, you know, we'd say, no, no, God's grace is still there for them, that they can still choose love. And so, the Catholic Church, oh, go ahead. Is it, so what you're, what you're really saying, Father Len, is even if you're not religious, if you've never thought about the concept of heaven and hell, um, if, if you don't love, if you don't know how to love, you, you really are living your life in hell. Um, and, and you yeah, maybe so don't even know here. it. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So we, now like the Catholic church is very firm that we don't name if anybody is in hell. So we don't know. We believe that God wants everybody united in heaven, but that doesn't mean everybody will be in heaven, that you're free to reject love if you want to, which is kind of strange. So Catholics don't believe in universalism, that everybody goes to heaven, that everybody gets a free pass into heaven. We believe that some people may not choose heaven, that they would want hell. Catholics, we call ourselves hopeful universalists, which means we hope everybody chooses heaven, but hell is a free choice. Uh, it is a chosen identity because you have cho- chose something other than God forever and ever and ever. Well, like, and think about the analogy of the rich man and Lazarus. I know it overuse it, but you know the story of the rich man and Lazarus. They're both here on earth. The rich man has everything. Lazarus is at his door begging, but the rich man gives him nothing. Nothing, and yep. Then it shows them in, he- uh, in the afterlife. And in the afterlife, Lazarus is seated at the kingdom at the table next to Abraham, which means he's very holy. Heaven is this great banquet of love and community. And the rich man, he's now in hell. And it says, you know, the flames of hell. But here's the interesting part. The rich man, he can look into heaven and still not get what it's about. And the rich man, this is the shocking part. He's not trying to get out of hell. He's trying to pull Lazarus into hell, which is really amazing. So C.S. Lewis says, and I like this line, the gates of hell are locked from the inside. They, they want to stay there. The rich man, he wants to spend his time in eternity looking into heaven, ordering Lazarus around, as if Lazarus is still his personal servant. He's still acting as if he's this very important person that can order people around. He can look into hell and not want to live in a community where everybody is treated equal. He still wants to live in this place where some people are better than others, and he has the nerve to blame other people. And he strongly indicates that it's God's fault because God didn't give him enough information. So Jesus doesn't say our future is hell. What he says is the present state of life, how we live, is actually a type of hell. Hell is something we create by our own choices. The rich man chooses forever something other than love and community. 
And so just as the kingdom starts here, hell starts here. And the hell you create, you live in. And so like, this sounds strange. I'm going to give you a little Greek. Um, There's actually three different words in the New Testament for hell, but I just want to focus on one. The hell that we're talking about with the fire and all that stuff, that hell in Greek is called Gehenna. Now, it's Greek, but no Greek at the time would know this word because it's actually a Hebrew word spelled with Greek letters. And what it is, is outside the city of Jerusalem, there's this valley. And the valley is used as a garbage dump, and the garbage dump is always on fire. And the reason why the Jews selected that as a garbage dump is that it used to be a place of child sacrifices. So the valley has this dark memory going back 600 years before Christ, when this king sets up an altar to kill babies. If you kill this baby, babies, then good things will happen to you. And this is the amazing part. In the Old Testament, God says, you lit the fires of Gehenna and you will live there. So you create the hell that you'll live in. So who throws you into hell? You or God? Just as Gehenna is outside Jerusalem, the city of God, hell is outside the new Jerusalem, the city in heaven. Except you choose it. You light the fire. So the the other thing that's, that to me is kind of amazing. And have you ever thought, like, who created hell? Did God create hell? Does it ever say that? God says you lit the fire. But think about this. Right from the beginning of the Bible, what does it say? It keeps repeating the phrase. I'm going to ask you to see if you know your Bible. God made heaven and what? Earth. Good job. It doesn't say God made heaven and hell. It keeps repeating God made heaven and earth. It doesn't say God made hell. What it implies is that God permits those who want to reject being and life and love itself, which is God, God will permit you to live in the hell you created. Now, we do say God always gives sufficient graces that you can choose something different. But like the two, actually it was the two women who said, well, we don't believe God sends anybody to hell. Like they have this image that somehow hell makes God judgy. But, and this is really upsetting to me because... If you've ever experienced real injustice, if you've experienced it, you do, this sounds kind of strange, you believe in judgment day when all injustices will be addressed. If you don't believe that there's a judgment day, you've lived kind of this very sheltered life on Wisteria Lane. But once you've seen true injustice, you have this instinctual reaction that justice will win someday. So like, horrible. I know this girl and her sister were sexually being sold by their uncle. And so they were abused and they're just kids, just kids. And it shocked me as I kind of got involved in this. It shocked me that somebody who knew the man, I mean, just think how, what a horrible hellish existence that was. And the older sister finally went to the cops and turned him in because she didn't like what was happening to her sister. And then somebody said, and I was livid when somebody said about the uncle, he said, well, he's a really nice man. No, he's not. You sold your own nieces into slavery. You know, I don't want to hear this thing about nice or 
read this thing about the genocide in Herzegovina, where all these people are raped and murdered. And the guy says that I don't want to live with unforgiveness. Now, he, he's seen true injustice, and he doesn't want to live in the world of unforgiveness and hatred. So he chooses to forgive all the atrocities, and yet he writes, those people who committed the genocide and the raping, they double down on their hatred. And for anybody who has experienced real injustice, are you saying, well, you know, God's just going to turn a blind eye and everybody goes to heaven. Well, it wouldn't be heaven if the same injustices, the same attitude that you can use and abuse other people get into heaven. Does that make sense? Like, it does. That, that would just make heaven another place of abuse. So usually I find that those people who think, well, nobody goes to hell, they also lack a real sense of social justice or responsibility. Like uh, this couple I know, and this is about irresponsibility. They were tax dodgers and they got caught, but they were also drug dealers. And um, if you met them, they looked like a very suburban couple. And they're all about appearances. And the wife once said, well, I believe in a God of love, not hell. Well, they've never chosen love or justice their entire life. They don't even pay their taxes. They're drug dealers. They don't believe in a God of love. They believe in a God of niceness and of appearances. They don't want a God where we're responsible for our own choices. They want a God who just believes in the image of niceness. So, I know I'm kind of hard on this, but if you've really experienced injustice, I do believe that heaven is a place of complete justice and community and love. Some people don't want any justice because of their laziness or cruelty. If you have a problem with Judgment Day, your real problem is not with Judgment Day or heaven and hell. Your real problem is with justice. Uh, so it's not about when people say, well, I just don't believe anybody goes to hell. I often find those people very suspicious. So why, why mention all this hell and heaven? Well, it does make sure our lives are pointed in the right direction. But I want to make sure my life is prepared for the eternal feast, that I'm not selfish. So like, I'm not saying anybody is in hell, but I'm saying that hell is this choice of selfishness, cruelty, over love. So hell is a choice. And maybe it's the coldness of always being alone, but it's what you chose. Or maybe it's your disgust at love as the fire of compassion. Right? For all eternity, you would never get that. Maybe some people can choose that. So I don't know what hell is, but hell is the separation between us and God, the separation between us and true community and love. That would be a terrible choice. I like that, Father Lynn. Um, it's interesting. I'm sitting here thinking about this couple that de deals drugs, don't pay their taxes and whatever. And it goes to this idea, you know, that <laughs> and if they don't change then they've chosen hell. Yeah, I mean, they, that, that's really where the justice is. Usually the people who are really against hell, um, I usually find them either irresponsible or really not understanding justice. And now I'm not saying everybody because I, it's such a part of the cultural 
United States, let's all be friendly, everybody goes to heaven. Um, but so some people, they're just indoctrinated to think that way. I do believe the gates of heaven are open. They're always open for those who love. But some people won't want it. Well, Father Lynn, uh, I think uh, you've given us a nice tour of hell and even a little glimpse of heaven. Um, and and I, I think our visit has lasted long enough. I think that everybody has gotten a good sense of hell. And let's get I out of wanna, hell. I don't want to get too hot or too cold. Yeah, let's get out of here while we can. So thanks for listening to this episode of uh, the Wrestling with God show. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, searching for truth, uh, meaning, and purpose in our lives, and hopefully finding heaven and not hell. And in the meantime, if you will, if you would go over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review the Wrestling With God show, that would be great. It helps people discover us. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Okay.